bum, 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 bum. As we look down on the sleeping dog and the curtains come down on another wonderful day in the age of coronavirus, you're wondering what could make this day end in the perfect way. Bum, 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 bum. And it turns out that you came to the right place. You don't have to let sleeping dogs lie. No, you don't. Because it's time for the best time of the night. The time you've all been waiting for. The time when I will be taking your questions in a moment. And I will listen to your greatest fears. And then I will make them disappear. So think about what it is that's making you anxious. What is it you're worried about, about the future? In a moment, I'll let you call in, and I will remove your fears in front of the crowd. Yeah, it's easy. Um, But first, let me catch you up on a few things. So the the Joe Biden uh, gaffe slash, (laughs) I guess I call it a gaffe, in which he says, uh, if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, then you ain't black. So I guess the hashtag you ain't black has been trending, and hashtag Joe Biden's a racist (laughs) is trending. Now, what's funny about this is that there's just nothing here. Uh, There's just literally nothing to this story. It's just Joe Biden, you know, tried to be... uh, you know, I don't know, tried to be casual. And obviously Joe Biden was thinking that when he said it, that the actual meaning was, of course, I'm the best person for the black community, which is what he meant to say. <laughs> and clearly that's what he meant. But of course the, uh, the pro-Trump people have turned that into, well, it definitely means what he means, what he's thinking, what he's thinking because I can read his mind. What he's really thinking is that, uh, you know, basically he, he owns your vote. And, of course, he didn't say anything like that, nor would he say anything like that, and it doesn't make any sense. But everybody's pretty darn sure that's what he meant. So watching the conservatives just use the uh, the left's playbook to just manufacture this ridiculous it's just ridiculous because there's nobody in the world who thinks Joe Biden's racist. I mean, not really. And, and, and Charlemagne the God, I don't know if he's weighed in on it, but I would care about his opinion because he was, he was there. (laughs) I'm not sure I care about my opinion about it or, or anybody else's. I heard somebody say that uh, if you're not black, you know, it's not up to you to say that Biden did or did not insult anybody or should or should not have said anything differently or, you know, needs to apologize or doesn't need to apologize. And I thought to myself, yeah, that's a pretty good standard. <laughs> I, I will accept that standard and watch purely as a spectator. Uh, I, I'm out. <laughs> Joe, you get, you got to work this one out yourself. So he had, he had to, uh, he had to apologize. But uh, it is a lot of fun watching the, the politics of it all. Do you ever wonder when they discover some ancient ruins that they have to dig down to? 
Do you ever wonder how it all got covered up with sand in the first place? Who, who builds a whole ancient city and then is it, do they not sweep? Is it uh, they're just bad at housekeeping and they just don't notice and after a few hundred years it just builds up and then their house is gone? You know, you should have dusted. Or, or did they all leave town for a thousand years and they get covered with sand and then they come back and build a city on top of the sand? I always wonder about that. It has nothing to do with anything. You know, I wonder who built the, the pyramids too. So it turns out that remdesivir doesn't uh, save any lives, so it doesn't change the, the mortality rate, but it seems to reduce the virus a bit, not enough to make any difference by itself. So remdesivir doesn't make much difference by itself. So they're going to test it with other things. Now, let me ask you this. Just, this will just be a test of how cynical you are. If remdesivir doesn't work by itself, and remdesivir is like $1,000 you know, per patient, right? It's a real expensive drug. And they test it, and they find out they do get a good result with some inexpensive drug. They're talking about, I think, uh, 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 I don't know, some other kind of drug. So they put it with an inexpensive drug, and then let's say the two of them produce a good result. What are they going to do? <laughs> I think they're going to pair them and charge $1,000 for the remdesivir and whatever the other drug is that's cheap, you know, buck fifty, and say, you better take the two of these. <laughs> do, you think, do you think that after they test the remdesivir with whatever the other drug is, that they'll keep going and say, all right, now we have to test it with just the other drug without the remdesivir? Do you think they're going to do that test? Or are they just going to say, well, all we know is that when you use them together, it works. It's all we tested. So you could take your chances, but all we've tested is the two of them together. So I'd, I'd shell out the $1,000 if I were you. It's all we know. So that story is funny. Yeah, it'd be funny if somebody says Viagra. It would be funny if it... Uh, <laughs> all right, you're ahead of me. Somebody, you, you stepped all over my great joke. It was coming. But apparently everybody in the comments had the same punchline as I did, which is, and that other drug that works with remdesivir is hydroxychloroquine. <laughs> so... Anyway, CNN and everybody continues to act as though the hydroxychloroquine, when given to people who only have a few days left to live, uh, makes things worse. And I'm thinking, probably everything does at that point. All right, I'm going to take some questions. But specifically, I'm going to take some questions about what's bothering you. What's, uh, what kind of big worries do you have for the future? It doesn't have to be immediate future. It could be the long-term future. And I will give you the positive spin on whatever it is that's bothering you. All right, let's see who's, who wants to play along. We will take Roe. Is that an actual name? Roe, are you there? Hello, Roe. I can. Do you have a concern which you would like me to erase from your mind? I do. It was um, a tweet that I saw 
from Katie Hopkins, and she um, was saying that, you know, all of our statistics and death rates and models were hoaxes, and we were being programmed to live a new way of life. And I hadn't thought that I've stayed away the conspiracy, but for some uh, reason, I got off work and it hit me, and I was like, oh my God, we're not using money. We have to schedule at the DMV, and you can't just walk in anymore. Ah. <laughs> well, who would, who would be uh, benefiting from this? Globalists. I don't think anybody's benefiting, are they? How would a globalist benefit from this? Well, I guess. Oops, got cut off. Well, um, let me finish the answer. I would not worry uh, about the uh, the grand scheme to change the way everybody's living. I don't think that's a thing. So um, there's no evidence for it other than people who like to talk about grand schemes. So I would not imagine that anybody's sitting behind closed doors saying, you know, if we can just convince them to DoorDash... Then we've got something. I don't even know how that works. If we can just convince them to work from home a little bit, uh, how does that work? Somebody says control. Nobody wants control just for control. <laughs> People want control to get them things. You don't want control just to control it. Who wants to control the DMV? Nobody. All right. Let's see if somebody else has a concern that I can erase for them I think David looks like he has a concern David are you there David David hello hey Scott how are you good how are you do you have a uh, concern for me a worry that I can erase for you well actually yes so I uh, am in sales for a living and um, I'm hoping you're good with personal things as well, correct? Sure. You name it. Okay. So I'm in sales for a living, and it baffles me how in majority majority of my life I'm very competent, and in certain ways I can approach people with no challenge whatsoever. Uh, but when it comes to certain sales calls, I find myself crippled with fear and can't get any sort of real rationalization as why. And do you know what kind of calls make it different? Why is it different sometimes? That's a good question. Um, do, is, there, is there no obvious reason? It's just some days you have it and some days you don't? No, I mean, it, with, with things primarily related to work is when I see the, uh, the, when the fear comes up more often. Um, if it's things that don't matter. <laughs> uh -huh. You know, how old are you? 31. 31. So, uh, yes, I, I imagined you young because part of the solution to this is uh, just experiencing a lot and realizing that none of, none of it hurt you. So the only solution to be able to do this is to put yourself in increasingly embarrassing situations and to learn that they don't really hurt. And I don't think there's any other way to do it. Now, the ways that people do it is they sign up for, let's say, the Toastmasters or the Dale Carnegie course, or you could just approach strangers and actually just practice.
Now, I gave some uh, advice the other day that I was laughing after I gave it, which is it's always good to match your, your emotional and energy state to the task. Now, part of the problem might be that if you're, you're all wound up about a meeting or a sale, you're in exactly the wrong, point, uh, the wrong frame of mind to take a risk because you're just too wound up to take a risk. But there are probably times when you think, I've had such a bad day. I just had a fight with my you know, girlfriend, wife, whatever. You know, five things went wrong. I couldn't find my pants. There's nothing that could ruin this day because it's already so ruined. Complete right off. And then you say to yourself, I might as well try that thing I was going to try. Just, hey, let, let me do something to wake myself up today. So I would uh, think expansively about which state of energy can get you not afraid. Now, I find in my life that the same situation can be, say, tense-making if I'm in a certain frame of mind, but no problem at all if I'm, like, really angry, <laughs> you know? So sometimes, you know, it's, it's just a case of changing your state until you find one that fits the situation. And then if you've gone through enough of these situations, then they don't, they don't present the same issue. Now, let me ask you this. What do you imagine could go wrong? What's the worst case? They say no. And, and why is that bad? Because you know that nine out of ten uh, calls are going to be a no. Here's, here's how to look at it. I grasp that there is no problem with that. Right there with my finger on the phone changes things. Yeah. Have you, uh, have, you, have you read my book, How to Fail Almost Everything and Still Win Big? I have, actually. So I would try reframing your situation as trying to guess something out of every call. It doesn't mean that you get a sale out of it, but you get tougher, you get a practice, you try a new trick. You're like, I'll try this, I'll try that. You're keeping track. Maybe you're keeping a scoreboard. You say, all right, I got, I got one out of you know 18 yesterday. I'm going to get one out of 17 today. But I think you could reframe it as almost a sport, and it's not personal. Because none of these people know you. They don't know you, right? These, these are basically strangers you're talking about? Um, it's a mixture. Oh, well, they may be people who just haven't said yes yet. So, you know, sales is sort of about wearing people down after a while, isn't it? Sure. I mean, you don't, you don't say it that way. But here, here's a uh, – let me, let me tell you a sales story. It's my favorite, favorite sales story. I, I had a neighbor who had gotten rich, and I'd ask him about the story of his life. And one of his first jobs was selling salt to grocery stores. And I laughed. And I said, how do you sell salt? It's all the same. Like, what, what's your competitive advantage? And he told me this story, that one day one of his grocery stores was going to be reorganizing his shelves. And he said, you know, you'd have to be closed all day on the weekend. And, you know, he's going to be working all weekend reorganizing his shelves. So the salt salesman, without being asked, just showed up on Saturday and said, well, I'm here to help you reorganize your shelves. And the guy's like, really? Why? He goes, had Saturday off. I thought I'd help you reorganize your shelves. Didn't, didn't even ask him about buying salt. Just helped him all day, went home, and the next time the guy did a salt order, who did he buy it from? So basically he built a relationship, and then he just waited. And you know, it wasn't the only relationship he was building. He was building relationships all over and waiting for them 
to, to bloom over time. So he understood it as kind of a numbers game and a question of what he was going to give them. So maybe one way to think of it is when you're calling people, say to yourself, all right, what am I doing for them? And, it, and if, you can, if you can be honest about that and say, all right, I, I can really help these people. I can help them save money. You know, I can help them do a thing they couldn't do before. I can help them. You know, I don't know what product it is. But, you know, I, I suppose if you don't believe in your product, it would be harder. But <laughs> if you believe in your product, then you would also believe that they could be better off. And so think in terms of what you can give them. Yeah, so you know the process of reciprocity. Somebody in the comments is saying that the, the sole salesman basically gave gave something for nothing and then just stood around until it paid off. So the, that is my advice. And now watch this. Now that you've heard this reframing, the next time you go to do this, you're going to think to yourself, wait a minute, I can think of this as a scary thing in which I could get rejected. Or I could think of this as a process in which I come out ahead every single time. Because that's literally what's going to happen. Every call you make, whether it works or doesn't work, makes it easier to make a call because it didn't hurt. You know, you, you, know, you were afraid, the call's over, your body feels the same, you're breathing the same, your day's the same. All you did is get one closer to a yes. So everyone that's a no is one closer to a yes. Watch how well that works. All right, thanks for the call. Thanks, Scott. All right. Let's see who else needs a problem solved. Possibly Mike Burt. Uh, Mike Burt, are you there? Uh, good. Uh, do you, do you have a uh, a problem, a, a worry, a concern, a fear that I can make disappear? Um, <clears throat> here's the thing. Mm -hmm. I'm from Canada, and. Uh, with this China virus problem, our uh, prime minister, our leading party, is uh, seizing power, and it's a very, very concerning issue because we don't really have a credible opposition party to uh, to to run against him because he just refuses to even participate in the parliamentary process. Now, <laughs> what we need is uh, help to to train our politicians to uh, defeat this guy. Mm. We don't have anybody like that. Well, you know, but are you really worried about that or is it just a preference? I mean, really, is your, is your life that much different depending on what political party is in, in office? Well, if they're allowing our national police to, to throw together uh, a sweeping gun ban without any legislative process, it becomes a problem. Yes. <laughs> so this is this is going to be a very big problem coming in the near future. Well, suppose uh, suppose everything went the way you don't want it to go. How would it affect you personally? Mm, we look a lot like China. Well, that's kind of extreme. Don't you think you would just look like Canada but with fewer guns? Uh, no. <laughs> if our legislative process is is no longer a thing and they're circumventing and dictating what can be allowed in the process, then it's not really the process anymore. Oh, well, you know, the slippery slope is usually something you don't need to worry about. So typically things go until they have a reason to stop. 
And right now, if something's going in that direction, it's because it doesn't have a reason to stop. But but everybody in Canada has a reason not to become China, whereas it's not true that everybody in Canada has you know some concern about uh, guns. That's the same as everybody else's. So you could pretty much count on the sliding to stop once everybody's on the same side, which is, oh, no, we don't want to be a dictatorship with no rules. We just want to you know clean up a few things that were our preferences, but maybe not other people's preferences. So you could well lose some basic rights. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, I'm getting massive comments about my nose whistling. So my nose isn't whistling, but you are hearing a whistle. It's not my nose, though. It's actually coming out of my mouth. Don't know why. Actually, I do know why, but it's a long story. Um, so now that we've cleared that up, uh, I would say I don't know a whole lot about the Canadian political process, so I can't add too much into details. But I will tell you that I don't. I can't think of any reason there was any year of my life that I was less happy because of who was in power. Uh, and I doubt that that will happen in Canada. And I wouldn't worry about the slippery slope because it'll, it'll stop when it needs to stop. Maybe maybe a little bit after it needed to stop, but not full China. So thanks for the call. Yeah, no problem. All right, I don't think I talked him out of that, out of his fear. I need a win. All right, Robert is coming in, and Robert, Robert, are you there? Robert, I know you're there. Robert's not there. All right, let's try Tyler. Tyler. Tyler, are you there? Do you have any kind of worry or fear that I could make disappear? Um, well, if you have any questions about Canada, you can ask me because I, I actually live up here. So, But I did want to ask you something else, and that was you once talked about something called a humility fetish that the anti-Trumpers have. And I've just noticed that there are a lot of people, say, on my Facebook and on my social media, family members, and I don't think it has anything to do about politics when it comes to Trump. There's something about him that they just cannot get over. And I was wondering if you could comment on that, because it's almost like, I hate to use the word trigger because it's being overused, I think, but there is right. something that just drives them into irrational behavior that I've <laughs> never really seen before. Well, I have opined that uh, Trump comes across as a bully, and if you have been bullied in your life, that's all you can see. And, and everything is all about that, and everything sort of emanates from we hate him because he's a bully, and then we'll find all the other reasons if we look for him. Whereas people who have not been bullied or were the bullies themselves – Look at him as just a you know a harmless and entertaining person who may or may not have the you know the skills that they're looking for. So uh, I think that's the biggest difference: whether you've been abused by somebody that he reminds you of. Does that ring? Does that ring true? Yeah, that could be. As I say, it's it doesn't seem to be about anything he's done. It just seems to be strictly <laughs> his personality. Like these are these aren't people who I consider stupid either they're like really smart people who have just been driven well you know seen hatred yeah you know anybody who's uh cocky has as many uh, admirers as they as they have haters you remember uh when 
Muhammad Ali was, you know, you're probably too young, but he was famous for being, you know, bragging and, and being cocky. And there are a number of athletes who have made a name the same way. And of course, people become super polarized. People believe that, you know, this is somehow their genuine self. They're not just putting on an act for the, for the, for the cameras. So yeah, people just hate any kind of confidence or arrogance or cockiness. I don't think there's much of a mystery to that. And, uh, because Trump has a lot of those things, plus he's rich, plus he insults people. He, he gives people a lot of reasons to uh, get worked up. <laughs> I, I do have one, right. more, one more thing for you, Scott. Yeah, one go ahead. Thing. On the, on the yeah, affirmations, um, I just took a chance on the affirmations. This was a couple of months ago. And someone who I hadn't heard from in a long time, I just picked them kind of randomly. It's kind of an old friend of mine. And I wrote down for a couple of days, this person will text me. This person will text me over and over again. So a couple of months go by, and I, I basically forget about it. And I kid you not, Scott, I'm at the gym. I'm just about to close my locker. And guess who I get a text from? And I haven't heard from this person for like a long time. Bart, you have to tell me how long. Are we talking years? You heard I, would from say, I, I would say years. I went to university with them. And so that was probably about four or five years ago that I graduated. So this is a person so, who I'm not in contact with very often. Yeah, it's funny because the very first time that somebody told me about affirmations, it was exactly that story. Without the texting, it was a phone call. And it was uh, that somebody got somebody to call them out of the blue that they wanted to call that they hadn't heard from in you know, years and years and years, and then the phone rang. So that was the, the very first story I heard. Now, of course, as the people in the comments were saying, you know, coincidence is coincidence, and there are going to be coincidences. So as I was advised the first time I tried affirmations, and it worked out so well, and then I said, well, it's probably just a coincidence. You almost have to try something it just couldn't happen on its own. And it has to be more than one thing or you're not going to know anything. So well, the, that's why the, I picked this person because I, I didn't want to pick a person who I am in, in normal contact with. I wanted to pick someone who, you know, the odds of them getting in contact with me weren't zero, but they weren't uh, you know, 80% right. either. I wanted it to be someone who, you know, would be less than 50-50. Yeah, and it was, you only had one affirmation, right? It was the only one you were doing? Yes, and I I, I I didn't say it over and over. I kind of I kind of just wrote it down, and I did that for I'd say three or four days. All right. And so when that, now when that text when that text yeah. came in, I was just like, "Damn it, Scott! Damn it!" So you were the first person I thought of. <laughs> yeah, that's how I get you. Yeah. So now Anyways. are you gonna are you gonna try it on something else? Maybe raise your sights from getting a text to getting something better. Well, I'll tell you, before I even heard you talk about this, I got this idea from Jim Carrey in an interview. He was talking about how he wrote a check to himself. Right, million dollars. Right, right. million now, obviously, dollars. Obviously, mine wasn't a million dollars, but it was, it was an amount I, I wanted in my bank account. So uh, I literally took a, a screenshot of my online bank account, and I, I wrote the number. I <laughs> and it was a reasonable number. It, uh, wasn't, you know, it wasn't crazy. And of course, I've I've far surpassed that now. <laughs> nice. I don't, I don't want to sound I don't want to sound uh, too cocky. <laughs> no, people hate you. People hate you. <laughs> yeah. Have you watched the Michael Jordan documentary? I mean, there's a little bit of that at play there too. He's I found oh. him to be quite cocky. 
No, but that's that's a uh, good suggestion. I kept meaning to watch that, so I'm glad you re- reminded me. All right, so thanks for the call. That okay, was fun. thank you, Scott. Thank you. All right, take care. All right, uh, I'm going to wind it down for tonight. Um, I hope some of you had similar kinds of problems, and maybe some of that helped you. I don't know. And in the meantime, I will see you... Uh, I will see you bright early in the morning. <laughs>